Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Let me call you to look at Acts. Acts, we're going to go to chapter 20, verse 31 in just a moment. And find this little piece of paper entitled, In a World of Takers, Be God's Giver. Heard a funny story about little 18-month-old Billy. He was playing around the family couch, and he found a quarter. And his 10-year-old sister Sally was watching. She said, let me have that quarter. And before she could stop him, that little boy popped the quarter in his mouth and swallowed it. She scooped him up. She ran him into the kitchen. She said, Mama, little Billy just swallowed a quarter. Call the preacher. He can get money out of anybody. <laughs> now, friends, I want you to know that my calling is not to get money out of people, but my calling is to get Jesus into people. That's my calling. That's your calling. You see, I'm not here to raise church budgets. I am here to raise mature believers who follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, the title has been my theme song here for the last 25 years. In this world of takers, let's be God's giver. And if you want to do that, let me show you the starting point. Fill in this blank. Look at what you give, and more importantly, why you give it. Look at what you give and why you give it. Uh, you see, we all give something. But the question is, what motivates your giving? One day Jesus was looking at an offering, and this widow placed just a penny in the offering plate at the temple. And Jesus declared that this widow had given the greatest gift of all because it indicated she had a heart for the Lord. She loved the Lord, and she was all in. Now, what about your giving? What motivates it? Is it because you love the Lord and you're all in? Or is your giving motivated by guilt? Or fear? Or a tax deduction? Or showing off? Or social pressure? C.S. Lewis profoundly observed, to do the right thing for the wrong reason constitutes the worst sin. So I ask you again, why do you give what you give? I heard about a lady and she gave a dollar to a homeless man he was standing on the road with a sign asking for some assistance, and so she pulled out a dollar from her purse, and she said, I just want you to know, mister, I'm giving this money to you not because I think you deserve it, because I think it will make me feel good. He said, well, ma'am, if you want to feel really good, why don't you give me that 20? <laughs> Is that what motivates you? Do you have a narcissistic giving pattern? You're really just giving to scratch some sort of invisible itch in your own spirit to make yourself feel good? Well, here is the goal. I want to help you become God's giver in this world of takers. And that will occur when you can articulate why you give. This is precisely what Paul did in his closing statement to his beloved friends at Ephesus. So let's pick it up right here. It's in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 31. Paul said to his dear friends, therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish you with tears. And now I commend you to God 
and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men who are with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Well, let's pray. Oh, Father, take these precious moments, magnify the time, release your spirit so that your spirit can place your transforming truth into every receptive heart. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take a few moments and tell you what motivates my giving. So this can help you construct your own theology of giving. Uh, number one, would you make this note? I give, number one, because of love. I give because of love. The model for my attitudes, my actions, my relationships, my reactions has been Jesus. I've studied deeply the life of Jesus, and I'm trying to model after him. Well, the Scripture says that Jesus equates love with giving. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Look on your worksheet. What does the Scripture say in 1 John 3, 16? This is how we know what love is. Jesus gave his life for us, and we ought to give our lives for our brothers. When I met Mary Ruth Simmons in college, we met after a Wednesday night prayer meeting at Baylor University. There were about 2,500 of us there. And oh my goodness, when I saw that cute Mary Ruth, she just ran off with my heart. And uh, we went off on a date. The next thing you know, we went to a Baylor football game. And they always lost, so you had plenty of time to talk. And, uh, <laughs> and so we just had this great start to our romance. And the next thing you know, our friendship became a courtship. And it began to evolve into that beautiful, sacred fellowship of an impending marriage. So I wanted to ask her to marry me. So I had some stock that I liquidated. I traded it in, and I wanted to show her that my earthly treasure was nothing compared to how I treasured her. So I got her a, a diamond. And uh, it, it was, you know, <laughs> pretty good. Well, actually, it wasn't the Hope Diamond, I, I admit. But it was a good diamond. And, and so I got her the diamond because what I was trying to say is, you are my treasure. When you love somebody, you give to them. Now, here's the great truth. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If you love someone, you've got to give back. If you love the Lord, you've got to give back to Him. The ultimate picture of love, my friend, is the cross. Because we learn in Romans 5a that God has demonstrated His great love for us and that while we were yet sinners, when we were rebels and helplessly, hopelessly lost, what did Jesus do? He died for us. It's almost as if He stretched His arms to you and said, I love you this much. When you love, you give. Number two, I give because of obedience. The Scripture spells out time and again in clear teaching that God expects His children to go against the grain of the world and be givers. As a matter of fact, Moses put it like this 
uh, Moses says your obedience is a confession of your faith, and you do it with your money. He prescribed from God's instructions, look on your worksheet in Leviticus 27, verse 30, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And it's further explained in the book of Deuteronomy that God wants us to give back 10% just to acknowledge that God has given us 100%. We didn't come up with it. He has given us our ability to earn wealth. He's given us everything that counts. So we owe the Lord everything. It's an act of obedience to give back. Look what Solomon said in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. In an agrarian economy, they would start to harvest the wheat or the grapes, or they would have crop of lambs, and they would give the first fruits back to the Lord. Not the leftovers, not the maligned or the marginalized. You see, a first fruit giver is somebody who says, Lord, I acknowledge that you gave me all of it, so I'm giving part of it back to you. Now, I would urge you to become a first fruit giver. And do you know what that'll make you? It'll make you disciplined with the 90% that is left. If you give that first 10%, you save the second 10%, and you discipline yourself to live on the 80%, I can guarantee you, you will become a very effective financial manager. So, this is God's calling. And then how did Jesus say it? Look at John 14, verse 15. Jesus said it simply, if you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. Now, a tangible way to show your obedience, and I discovered this in 1981 when I moved to First Baptist Montgomery. I'd never done this before in the seven other churches that I'd been a part of. There was a commitment card. This was new territory for me. Now, I grew up very frugal, German, and I didn't give easily. I mean, spending $5 was a spiritual experience for me. And so, this idea that I would make a commitment of income that I hadn't received was new territory. But do you know what happened? When I made that tangible commitment and obedience as an expression of the love for Christ that I had, something inside of me, that sense of the grip of greed on my heart began to break, and it started to be replaced with the generosity of Jesus. So, you need to try this. If you're having a trouble, if you have trouble with being greedy, and you need to be generous in giving, try filling out this commitment card. It will help you more than you can imagine. Let's go to number three. I give because of eternal investment opportunities. Oh, I like this. I give because of eternal investment opportunities. I've always been intrigued with investing. When I was a kid, I went to work for my father, who was quite an entrepreneur. By the time I was six years old, I started helping in his feed and ranch supply store. I would sweep up in the warehouses, and he would pay me a quarter or 50 cents, and then he wouldn't let me go spend it at the movie or on candy or on, on something around the store, but he would make me save it. So, I opened a savings account. I learned how to delay gratification, and by the time I was eight, my dad made quite a proposal. He said, Jay, boy, you need to go into the cow business with me. And there was a guy selling a Bramer heifer for $40. So he said, let's, let's buy that heifer. I said, yes, sir. So I went down to the savings and loan, got my $40. We bought this $40 cow, and she had a calf. That's the original version of a stock split is when you have a cow that has a calf. Anyway, so she had a calf. So now I had two cows, and that little calf started to crow. And do you know what happened? I sold that calf and cow for $90. 
And then dad said, you need to get in the Angora goat business. It's doing really good. And so for $15 a piece, I bought me six Angora goats. And they produced mohair. So by the time they grew out their mohair, we sold them, and they brought $150. I was understanding the principles of investment, risk and return and reward. So now I took that $150, added a little to it, and I bought some stock. And that stock grew, and do you know what it eventually became? The Hope Diamond. Yeah, that's what I bought the, the diamond with. So Mary Ruth's diamond used to be a $40 cow. I mean, isn't that how investments work? So I was learning about investments. And then I, I transferred that over to spiritual investments. I've made a lot of investments. But the greatest investment advisor on the planet is Jesus. Because look what he said in Matthew 6. He said, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a stunning revolutionary revelation that you cannot take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. This is what Jesus is saying. You have the capacity to build a savings account and invest in heaven. That's how I see it. When I give to the things of God, when I give to the causes of Jesus, I am investing in heaven, and the return is 100% a year for eternity. Heard an imaginative story about a guy who went to heaven. The angel was escorting him to his mansion, and when he came to the mansion, it was just a tiny little bitty hut. And the guy protested, and he said, is this all I get? The angel said, that's the best we could do with what you sent for us to work with. <laughs> so I challenge you, what are you sending on ahead? Do you understand that your investments in the kingdom are being stored in heaven. Let's go to number four. I give because of gratitude. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. But when somebody gives you a gift, how do you respond? Aren't you grateful? I mean, when you go to a restaurant and somebody just serves you, how do you respond? Don't you give a gift or a tip? 10%, 15%, maybe 20% if the service is good. What, what if you just gave them a nickel? What would that say to the waiter? That would be insulting, wouldn't it? And so if you just give God a little tip, a little thank you that's not from your heart, that's insulting. So I want you to understand that your giving is a reflection of your understanding that God has given you everything, including the gift of salvation, and you should give with a willing, grateful heart. And lastly, number five, I give because of supporting God's work at this church. Oh, I love God's work at First Baptist Church. Paul wrote a letter to the Philippian church, and it was essentially a thank you note for their gift and their financial support to him. As a matter of fact, it says there on your worksheet in Philippians 1, 3, and 5, I thank my God every time I remember you because of your partnership in the gospel. You see, when you become a giver in a kingdom cause, you become a partner or a shareholder in that ministry. Now, when I was a young person, about 15, I went to a Billy Graham crusade, and it was in Dallas, Texas. And uh, oh, I can remember it like it was yesterday, and I, I was a believer, but I went forward because they said they would give you materials to help you grow. 
So I went forward, and I met this wonderful man, and they gave us some materials, and part of it was an envelope to support the ministry of Billy Graham. And I thought, well, he's helped me. I'm going to help him. So I started sending $10, and I felt like every time I got one of those newsletters, I was a partner in his crusade. And friends, that's what happens when you partner up, when you become a shareholder in God's work. You are a teammate. Now, one of the things that thrills me about this church, and I've been part of eight different churches, and I'm a financially oriented person, is the financial integrity of this church is beyond impeccable. I know, because I'm on the inside of it, that every penny of my tithe dollar and your tithe dollar goes to where it's supposed to. You can trust the giving fiduciary, the integrity of this church, and you become partners in this kingdom harvest that we're engaging in. I mean, do you know what happened last week? We had the fall festival. The fall festival was incredible. Matter of fact, Chris Mills took this picture that I just love. I was sharing the gospel at the fall festival, and right as I was sharing the gospel, we had 800 people here. It was a perfect day that God gave us. I asked people who wanted to follow Jesus to raise their hand, and as the sun is peeking through, there's a young man, another adult, and a young lady raising their hand saying, I want to follow Jesus. So because of your giving, we had that fall festival, and those people, they made a decision for Jesus because of you. Did you know we had over 300 first-time visitors to our church? We had 225 people that had no church family. We had 22 people that made decisions for Christ, all because you gave, and we had that event to bring them in. Oh, we had team night. You saw the result of that from the video. My goodness, we had 1,500 people here, 150 decisions for the Lord, and we didn't have to do that. And yet we did it and partnered together to make an earthly and eternal difference in the young men's lives and the young women's lives. Uh, we had this amazing event over with the community ministries at Nehemiah where we gave out backpacks, the amazing Jane Ferguson, we had about 600 people there, and we gave out 300 backpacks filled with age-appropriate supplies. Those kids are taking them to school every day, and we were able to do that because you gave to this church. Thank you. You see, we bring them in. That's evangelism. We build people up. That's discipleship. We send them out to do missions and ministry. And as we do that from our neighborhoods to the nations, you are a stakeholder. You're a partner. And so that should thrill you to give to an organization like First Baptist that uses our resources in a powerful way to destroy the darkness and to amplify God's light. Well, here's the bottom line. Last word. The key to giving, the key to giving is found in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. But they first gave themselves. You see, if you've first given yourself, it's a natural to give your stuff. Uh, I love Texas history. There's a fabulous story about the conversion of Sam Houston. Sam Houston was born in Virginia in 1793. He went to Texas after being governor of Tennessee, and he got to Texas and he became a leader. Well, he defeated Santa Ana at San Jacinto in 1836 and went on to become the president of the Republic of Texas. But he was a rounder. Oh, he was a rough, tough guy. He, he, after Texas became a state, he became the first Texas state senator to the U.S. Congress. Well, in 1854, in November, he heard the preaching of the president of Baylor University, Rufus Burleson. 
He was so taken with that message and the call to follow Jesus. 61-year-old Sam Houston professed his faith in Jesus Christ. And on November the 19th, 1854, he stood to be baptized. And uh, people gathered to watch the baptism of famed Sam Houston. Rufus Burleson made a declaration. He said, Sam, you'll be baptized in a moment and wash away your sins. Sam Houston said, may God help the fish. <laughs> and then Rufus Burleson said, <laughs> he said, notice, uh, hey, Sam, you got your wallet on you. You may want to take your wallet out. He said, Rufus, my wallet also needs baptizing. I'll leave it in. My friend, Sam Houston, in that declaration, moved from the world taker to a Christ-like giver. And that's God's goal for you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your astonishing call. Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.